It was so very dark when we began hiking. Darker than this night, even, with no moon to help us. I was a teenager and had the great fortune of traveling to Japan with a group from my high school. We had decided that we wanted to climb Mount Fuji, and we made plans to do so without realizing that we had, quite by accident, picked National Climb Mount Fuji Day to do so. It was packed. Pilgrims thronged along these narrow, ashy trails, slowly winding up into the clouds, making what was for many a sacred journey. There are these small huts every 600 vertical feet or so up the side of the mountain, these places where you can have a simple, warm meal and sleep for the night. But because there were so many people hiking that day, we learned at the penultimate hut that the one at the very top was already full. And so we stopped there. We were ravenous and we ate and then fell hard asleep. We had learned from the other pilgrims that an important part of the experience is watching the sunrise from the very top of the dormant volcano. And so, trying to be all in, we set our alarms for 2 a.m., hoping that that would be enough time for us to make the final leg. We were aching and bleary when the alarms sounded, but we rose and we put on our filthy boots and heaved up our packs and began again. As we stepped out of the hut, we stepped into total darkness. We left the warm glow of the hut behind us quickly, and even with our headlamps, we, we struggled to see much of the trail beneath our feet, let alone the person in front of us or the steep drop-off careening downward. It is into such darkness that Mary steps to, by herself. I have lived with this story for a long time, and that still catches me. Mary, even in her fear, even in her grief, even as a woman in those times, Mary sets out alone to come to the tomb. Arriving just as light begins to thaw the night, she has still such a difficult time seeing. It's not just her eyes that have not adjusted, but her heart. 
The tomb is empty, and the only possible explanation she sees is that the body of her beloved teacher has been stolen, adding insult to injury. Her friends are no help either. But she stays, persistent in her grief. Mary remains long enough that everything shifts. He has not been stolen. He has risen. He has returned. It is beyond the pale, more than she can take in at first. But slowly, finally, it clicks. She hears the risen Christ, then sees him then sees the way forward. She sees and then continues on to become the first apostle. In that first reunion, I've, I've often felt frustrated by Jesus and his insistence that Mary not cling to him. I mean, for goodness sake, he's, he's been dead and now he's back and she's not supposed to hold on to him? It has felt preposterous to me, frustrating how how cool and collected and and almost distant he is in this heart-rending revelation. But today, as as I enter into it again, his words strike a new chord for me. They are they are confusing. Yes, but they come through as a gift. It's not that he's pushing her off. It's it's that he's still committed to leading her into all life. He has to keep going in order to prepare a place for her, for all of us. He has to keep going, ascending all the way to God to make the path that we may follow. And she has to let go so that she can go to do her work also, go and lead others to this new life. Back on that trail on the side of Mount Fuji, we, we stumbled a great deal. We had headlamps on, and yet still we, we bashed our shins on rocks we could not see. We, we missed these hairpin turns in the trail, wandering instead off into the scraggly bushes. And generally, we struggled through the night. But we, we pushed on and up, and slowly my vision adjusted. I began to see just barely the silhouette of the mountain still rising up above us. But more than that, I realized I was beginning to see this faint twinkling, these pricks of light that were present for a moment and then gone again. I paused there on the path to take in this strange light. 
And in that, the, the light began to organize itself. I suddenly saw it and knew this was the path. I was seeing the twinkling of, of headlamps, those belonging to the pilgrims, long up the trail. They were showing me the way. I looked down behind me and saw them there too, these, these lights showing me where I had been, showing me that so many more people were coming after us still. From the light of our own headlamps, we could each see only a foot or two in front of us, barely enough to stay upright as we climbed over boulders and skated through ash. But because all of us walked together, the winding path became visible. We crested the top of Mount Fuji just as the night was beginning to soften. The stars faded as we stood on the rim of the volcano's caldera, warming our hands with cups of hot green tea. As the sun finally rose above the distant mountain ranges, the sea and the clouds caught on fire all around us. There was so much light crashing in through the darkness. Friends, the path is dark. This much we know in these difficult days. Still, following Mary's courage, we set out anyway. We keep walking all the same. The path sometimes remains very dark for much of our trek, but there are lights to guide us. We are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses they continue shining from across the centuries and from the beloved of our own lives, shining to lead us home. This is Easter. Jesus himself returns to lead us on this path. He lights the way, continuing as that good shepherd, pulling us into such love as can abide whatever is yet to come. Jesus returns and makes the path, rising to lead us all home. <laughs>